All right. Well, uh, let's jump right into um, after that. Um, jump right into the to our series of the names of God. And, and honestly, I, just being transparent, I've been looking forward to this series for the last couple of months since we've been talking about it. Um, and I got more and more excited as it got closer and closer to it. And the reason is is that I believe that we failed in this area of knowing God, especially after watching this video and seeing from Genesis all the way to Revelation who God is. If we were just to spend the rest of our Christian lives resting in who He is, we'd never have to look at anything else. But we failed. And, and, and I'd say that it, the most common omission, uh, the sin of omission, is, is our failure to worship Him for who He really is. And, and I think a lot of us have really gotten faulty opinions of God and inevitably, that's led to, to misguided assumptions and decisions in our lives. And I'm look, I'm preaching to myself when I say that. I am, but it, but it does go for all of us. I think we've neglected the proper worship of God because we can't describe more than one or two names of His. And look, what Peter says, Peter says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and now and to the day of eternity. So what does that mean? That means that our failure to know God hinders our ability to give Him the glory He deserves. And look, some folks have been Christians for a long time, many, many years, and they're still unable to articulate the majority of the names that we just saw and, and, and why they're so significant. And maybe we just never really realized uh, before how important that is to God for us to understand the significance of His biblical names. But like Buffy said last week, there's two. There's over 200, and we've just seen the majority of them. There's over 200 names of God in the Bible, but today we're only going to concentrate on one. All right, and this is not going to be a very long sermon, trust me. So if you got your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn to Genesis one. That's where we're going to focus heavily today. Um, Buffy said this a million times, but but how do you know the meaning of a word used in Scripture? Huh? That's right. That's right. Go back to where it was originally used. It's the law of what? First mention. The law of first mention. That's right. So you go back to where it's used first. You study that. And chances are you're going to get a really clear, a very clear understanding of that word by doing that. So this morning we're going to go back to the very beginning. That's what we're going to do. What's the fourth word in all of Scripture? God. God. That's right. So when you look at the original language in Hebrew, God, that word God is translated Elohim. All right, and, and, and there is some deep meaning in this word, some real deep meaning in this name. As a matter of fact, the name Elohim is used over 2,500 times in, in the Bible, 32 times here in Genesis 1 alone. So as we read Genesis 1, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to substitute that, uh, the English name God. I'm going to substitute that with, with Elohim as I read, all right? So if you will, let's all stand as we honor the holy and perfect Word of God. Genesis chapter 1, we'll start in verse 1. We're going to read the entire chapter. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of Elohim was moving over the surface of the waters. Then Elohim said, Let there be light, and there was light. Elohim saw that the light was good, and Elohim separated the light from the darkness. Elohim called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. 
Then Elohim said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. Elohim made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so. Elohim called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning, a second day. Then Elohim said, Let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Elohim called the dry land earth, and the, and, and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And Elohim saw that it was good. Then Elohim said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with the seed in them after their kind. And Elohim saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning a third day. Then Elohim said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the expanse and the heavens to give light on earth. And it was so. Elohim made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. Elohim placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And Elohim saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. Then Elohim said, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth in the, in the open expanse of the heavens. Elohim created the great sea monsters and the living creature that moves, which was the water swarmed after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind. And Elohim saw that it was good. Elohim blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas and, the bird, and let birds multiply on the earth. There was evening and there was morning, a fifth day. Then Elohim said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. Elohim made the beasts of the earth after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and, eat, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And Elohim saw that it was good. Then Elohim said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle and all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Elohim created man in his own image. In the image of Elohim, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Elohim blessed them, and Elohim said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then Elohim said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. Elohim saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Let's pray. Father, God, thank you. I don't know how many ways I can say it, but thank you, Lord. We stand here in this place that you have assembled. You've assembled this body in this, in this room today, God. We stand here and we stand here in awe. We're unworthy of who you are as we see how massive you are. Throughout all of Scripture, God, we, we recognize our unworthiness. We're unworthy to even call your very name, but yet you have chosen for us to be 
to be your people. And God, we thank you for that. We are humbled by that. We praise you this morning, God. Let us do nothing here this morning but praise and, and glorify your name and exalt your name above all others. Because it's in your name that everything was created. Nothing that was created was good unless you created it. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you have done. In the, in the holy and the powerful and the blameless and the perfect name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. So I'm going to go out on a limb, in my opinion, and I'm going to say that uh, Genesis chapter 1 isn't as much about the creation as it is the creator, Elohim. So that's our first point. Elohim is creator. Elohim is creator. That's the first thing we learn about God, is that he is the creator. God is, uh, and God revealed himself to be the creator of the universe to us, right? And it was Elohim who spoke this world into existence. So let me ask you a question. Is Genesis chapter 1 about the creation of the world, or is it about the creator of the world? Yes, that's right, yes. But, but... 32 times Elohim is, is used in that, in, that, in that chapter as the creator. And look, I know some people don't believe this. Some think that we're, we're the result of some cosmic accident, this big bang. And out of that big bang, uh, a tadpole jumped out of the, some water somewhere and grew some legs and became a man. But let me say this. You, you're not related to the monkey. Elohim created. We just read it. We just saw it. Elohim created. And look, Genesis 1 is not the only place that claims Elohim is the creator. Flip to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. When you're there, say, woohoo. All right. Just say Elohim. Isaiah 45, verse 18. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is Elohim who formed the earth and who made it and who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. Also, Jonah made claims about Elohim. He said, I fear the Lord, Elohim of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. You know, a lot of people believe in God, but, but how many people believe Elohim is the creator? The Elohim of Genesis 1. How many believe that he is the God and the creator? Hebrews 11 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of Elohim. And look, I say we got a crisis today, a crisis in Christianity. It's a crisis regarding creationism, right? And some folks would tell you there's a divide that we've distorted to some degree. The reason we have this crisis is we've distorted to some degree Revelation, the last book of the Bible. But I don't fully agree with that. Now, I do believe that the revelation has been distorted to some degree, but, but I'm convinced the main reason that we have a crisis in Christianity is that, that so many deny the clear teaching of the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. And, and it's not so much as an assault on creation as itself or intelligent design as it is a, 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 an assault on the creator, an assault on Elohim. All right? The sad thing is that, is that uh, evangelical Christianity embraces a mixture of ideas about how the world came into existence. You've got the gap theory, you've got the day-age theory, theist, uh, theistic evolution, all these ideas, and they're all an assault on Elohim, the creator. All right? Elohim is creator. 
But here's, here's point number two. Elohim is also eternal. God is eternal. Elohim is eternal. Most of you in here, older ones, your parents, right? Being a parent, you get a lot of questions from your kids, right? A lot of questions. Some of them are simple. Some of them are simple to answer. You know, Daddy, why do we wear seatbelts? Why do we have to wear seatbelts? Well, son, because your mom's driving. <laughs> I'm just being serious. Um, but, but there are some questions that, uh, that dig a little, that, that they're, they're a little bit deeper, right? Daddy, where did God come from? That one's a little deeper. Well, Genesis 1, verse 1 is a simple announcement of Elohim's existence. It doesn't give us any kind of timeline or any kind of history. It just states the simple fact. God always has been and always will be. Amen. Isaiah 40, verse 28 says, Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting Elohim, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? So he's not only creator, he's eternal. Jeremiah 10, verse 10 says, But the Lord is the true Elohim. He's the living Elohim, an everlasting king. So God's existence predates creation, right? He's always existed. He always will exist. He's the eternal Elohim is the eternal creator. All right, I told you this is going to be a quick sermon. All right, so here's, here's the last thing. I want, to, uh, I want to focus one more aspect of God's nature and character, and I want us to look at um, there's a unique name or the unique aspect of the name Elohim. It's in fact... Now, I want y'all to follow this. It's in fact, Elohim is in fact the plural of the singular Hebrew word for God. All right? Which is El. The, the Hebrew word for God is El. Elohim uh, is El with the masculine plural ending in Hebrew. Now, I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar myself, but I want to show you this. All right? So look up at the screen. If you'll flip to the next screen, Matthew. All right. So that's, that's El. All right, that's God, and that's you have to read it from right to left. That's how Hebrew you read Hebrew is from right to left. So that's El. That means God. Elohim. The next one. All right, you see how El is in here. The same El right here. Elohim. All right, so it's plural. All right, that's 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 the plurality of it. Now, if you if uh, you'll notice, read it from right to left. You see that. And so the plural masculine ending, if you, if you see it, that, that presents the plurality of the name Elohim. Now, why is that significant? Why is that significant? What does it mean for the name Elohim to be plural? Look, this is huge from a theological standpoint. It's huge from a truth standpoint. But the first name ever used in Scripture, the first name of God ever used in the Bible, Elohim allows for the plurality in the Godhead. In other words, Elohim is triune. That's our third point. Elohim is triune. So God is Trinity. God is the Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And the Bible makes that clear. A full reading of Scripture shows what? Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're fully God. And, and each were involved right here in Genesis chapter 1 in the creation. So God was present as the eternal creator. Genesis 1 verse 2 explains the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And we know that the Holy Spirit was involved in the creation because of that, right? And sustaining creation. That's what he does now. The Holy Spirit sustains creation, but he was also there during the creation. Now he sustains creation. Job says, by his spirit, his, uh, his, uh, he made the heavens. And then John 1, 3, 
makes it clear that Jesus, God the Son, was present and participated in creation. Colossians attributes creation to Jesus. So the plural form of El lays the foundation of the Godhead before anybody understood the triune nature of God. Y'all understand how big that is? There's so many denominations out there that say that, that they don't believe in the Trinity. Well, the word Trinity is not used in the Bible. Well, it's used in the name of God. It's used in the name of God. So, I've said this before, Buffy said it, I believe, but God's the Father, God's the Son, God's the Holy Spirit. However, the Father is not the Son. The Father is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Son. They're separate people. All as one God, but separate uh, in their nature. And in this, in this triunity, this Godhead, there's a provision that for that even here in, in Genesis 1, verse 1. It's the plural name of Elohim. All right? Now, I don't know about y'all. I don't know about you, but I got goosebumps. I do. So what do we do with this? What do we do with all this? If Elohim's creator, if Elohim's eternal, if Elohim is triune, what do we do with all of it? Well, Psalm 86, turn there, Psalm 86. <clears throat> Verse 9 and 10, Psalm 86. All nations whom you have made, so there's the creator, all nations whom you have made shall come and worship before come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are Elohim. So what if we don't honor that? What if we don't honor and obey and worship and proclaim? What if we don't embrace Elohim as the creator, as the eternal, as the triune God? Well, then what? What happens then? Well, there's some implications to that. There's some implications. I want you to see it. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. We all know this text. Everybody's familiar with this text. Romans chapter 1. Everybody there? We're going to start in, uh, in verse 20. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood, being understood through what has been made. So, so here's the elements here. Look, we've got Elohim, the Creator. He's eternal. He's the Godhead. The tri, the tri, the tri, I can't say the triunity of God. All right, let's keep reading. So they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. They not nor were thank, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. And birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up. So God, this, the powerful deity, the Elohim, revealed himself in the first chapter of the Bible as the internal triune creator. And we're compelled to worship him, right? And to trust and to obey and to believe and to honor and to proclaim him. Elohim, right? If we don't respond like that, y'all look, we find ourselves right here in Romans chapter 1. I think it's necessary for us as, as we start in this, in this series, as we begin to learn more about who God is through His names, to remember that. Take this to heart. 
And look, I pray this has an impact on y'all, just like it did on me studying this week. And, it, and I'm not, like I said, it's short. It's short, but it's, uh, it's good, right? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we, we bow our heads to you now, Lord. Lord, we open our hearts. We acknowledge that you are, are the creator. You are the creator of all that is. We acknowledge that you are the, the eternal one. The, the, the trinity. Nothing exists that you didn't have your hand in, Lord. And we acknowledge that. We worship you for who you are. We believe in who you are. We trust you for who you are. And God, I pray that we're careful to proclaim that, to declare that, and forgive us when we don't. Forgive us for the occasions that we don't glorify your name. When we're not thankful for who you are, when we're selfish, when we're giving away to vain conceit in our thoughts, when our hearts are darkened. God, I pray that, that you right now would enlarge our hearts with a deeper understanding of who you are as revealed in your names. I ask this now in the name that stands above every name. And that's the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, like I said, that was quick. But let's uh, let's talk about something else. <coughs> so in the creation, we, we, we read it. We read Genesis 1. And in creation, about 6,000 years ago, in six 24-hour days, God made the perfect creation. Right? We saw that play out today. But then the first man, Adam, as we start to read later on, Genesis 2, he disobeyed the Creator. His sin brought death and corruption into God's very good creation. Genesis 2.17 said, But from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. Alright, so we see creation and, and that was the corruption. But then here's the catastrophe. Adam's race became so wicked that God judged the world with this great catastrophe. You know, it was a global flood, right? Saving only those on the ark built by Noah. Genesis 7.23 says, Thus he blooded out every living thing that was upon the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky, and they were blotted, and they were blotted out from the earth, and only Noah was left together with those that were with him in the ark. Next comes the confusion. When Noah's descendants disobeyed God, God's command to fill the earth, he brought confusion on their language, forcing them to spread over the earth. We see that in Genesis 11. Come, let us go down and there and go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from, from there over the face of the whole earth and they stopped building the city. So we saw the the creation, the confusion, the catastrophe, or the creation and the corruption, the catastrophe, the confusion. Now, here comes Christ. The Creator became a man who obeyed God in everything, unlike the first man, Adam. Matthew one twenty one to twenty three says, "She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord and through the prophet. 
Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So from Christ we go to the cross. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for mankind's sin against the world, or mankind's sin against God. He rose from the dead, and doing that, he provided life to all those who would trust in him as Savior. 1 Corinthians 15 says, For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I, have, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised the third day according to the Scriptures. So we go through all that finally to consummation. One day at the consummation, the Creator will remake his creation. He will cast out death and and the disobedience. He will create a new heaven and a new earth and dwell eternally with those who trust in him. Revelation 21, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. First things have passed away. That's the gospel. That's the gospel through the creation. So I would say that if there's anyone here today that has never never trusted in Jesus, if you've never trusted in Him, today's the day of salvation. As we have this time of invitation, as Mr. David plays, you can come down and we can have a conversation about it. We can talk about baptism. We can talk about church membership. We can pray together, whatever the case is. But if if you feel God has stirred your heart today, respond now. You'll all stand. Oh, stand and turn to page 300. Without Him, I could do nothing. Without Him, I surely fail. Without Him.